Thanks for joining the Money Happy Hour, where we make every hour a happy hour for your money. I'm your host, Tom, the Savings Captain, and I'm joined by my producer, Radish, the hardest working dog in podcasting. Hey, if you're new to the Money Happy Hour, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. If you haven't subscribed or hit the follow button, please do so. We greatly appreciate it. So good day. In this episode, I'm going to do something a little bit different. We're going to talk about my approach to, and methodology to selecting an individual stock or portfolio construction. And the most important word there that I said was my. Uh, it's my specific one. So I just wanted to spend a little bit more time. This kind of uh, goes a little bit deeper into maybe one of my last one or two episodes where I had Meet the Savings Captain and I talked about my um, overall portfolio. I thought today we would take a different approach and look at maybe how I arrived at some of my holdings and when I'm considering a new holding, what do I do? Kind of how I think about things. And I'll share some of, we're going to do a simulation too. We're going to look at if I were considering a stock now, how I go about it. And more than nine out of 10 times when I review a stock, I don't move forward on it. So we're going to walk through that process. Very specifically, we'll look at some live cases. I'm going to share my 10 holdings, individual stock holdings. I call them the terrific 10, kind of how I got there. So as many of you know, I was an advisor for a number of years. And one of the things that I saw commonly happen is people end up with a portfolio of stocks. They just kind of add on, add on. And a year goes by, two years go by, five years go by. And there's almost like a lack of congruity purpose uh, that the holdings in their portfolio are serving. So when I would do like an intake session with a client that was transferring in with their assets with me, you know, we'd, we'd review their portfolio and what was coming over to see, you know, to get a better sense of how it fits in with their broader financial plan. There was one client I had, his name was Tim. He had a well over a million dollar individual stock portfolio from what I remember about 50 different holdings. And he was like the textbook case of there was when he bought the stock, he always had a good reason for, for buying it at the time. And usually the answer was, I heard something or I read something, and that's how we ended up with it in his portfolio. But as time passed, those, those holdings didn't really serve a purpose. So he ended up with a very disjointed allocation and portfolio. So there were numerous cases and examples of of clients that I worked with that, that just ran into that similar position. And I did a little bit of that myself as well because it's we're, we're prone to come across a really good idea, talk ourselves into it, do the research, and before you know, we own it. And then we have a stock that we either are going to get stuck with or what I typically found myself doing because, you know, I worked in the industry. I really enjoy this stuff, stock selection and researching. I found myself doing a heck of a lot of babysitting. Sometimes I'd greatly outperform the market on my stock picks, and sometimes I'd really underperform it. So that was my experience before I'm going to talk about these, um, these steps that I'm going to go through. Before I do that, though, let me just share what my terrific 10 stocks are. These are the 10 stocks that I have owned long term, uh, some of them going back to very early, like 2000, let's call it. 
So my 10 holdings, uh, th this is kind of based on, you know, some of it's in order of size, some of it's just a longevity. Uh, so if you follow me on Twitter, you know I own Realty Income. You probably know I own Starbucks. You might or might not know that I own Walmart. You probably know I own Coca-Cola. You probably don't know I own Duke Energy. Um, you probably don't know I own Agree Realty. You probably own, know I own Meta, Uber, Costco, and here's one that most people, not only do, do they not know I don't own it, but they probably never heard of it, Old Republic International. So those are the 10 individual companies that I have in my portfolio. To get to those 10, good gosh, I probably, not an exaggeration, I don't know, 200 companies I considered to get to that 10 over years and years of, of building that portfolio. Um, this is an interesting point. The last time I actually sold a stock was 2017. So I've built this portfolio in a way I don't have to babysit, babysit it too much. Um, but I might, I very, I am teetering. There's one I might be selling this year because I have to babysit it quite too often. And uh, I want to see this story develop a little bit before, a little bit more before I do it. And that stock is Uber. You know, I've got low cost basis in it. Uh, just under $30 a share, so I'm up in it, but doesn't pay me a dividend, and I have to watch it very closely every, every quarter to see if the story makes sense. So I'm watching that. We'll talk about that more in a minute. So my, my first step when I'm thinking of buying a stock is, you know, I do all the classic stuff. So let's run through a simulation here. Um, I'll use Kroger as a really good example. Kroger is a stock I'd love to own. I talk myself into it. Yep, I want to own it. Our main man, Warren Buffett, owns it. He's done quite well in it. Um, a very popular, discussed dividend stock on Twitter. Um, everything I read and hear about it looks good. I like the direction of the company. Let's face it, we're going to, in the U.S., we're going to almost like a duopoly of large grocery chains. So all those things make sense. But the first step I do is I kind of talk myself out of buying the stock. So, of course, I'd review the fundamentals, the financials, if it pays a dividend, what the history looks like, the payout ratio looks, looks like. So when I put Kroger through that test, it really, it really met that mark. So then I would move it on to what I call step two. And it's important to um, talk about this for a minute. I just shared I own 10 individual stocks. Well, that doesn't sound like much, or it sounds like I might have a very concentrated portfolio like Warren Buffett. Well, you're right. That's not many individual names that I own. But I think of it this way. I own hundreds and hundreds of companies because 80% of my money is in either index funds or large cap uh, growth funds. And in the process of being the majority ETF uh, indexes. So when I look at it from that way, when I look at Kroger, I already own Kroger. So I have to ask myself, well, Kroger is a holding in the S&P 500, in an S&P 500 ETF. Then I ask myself, do I, do I want to oversample? Do I want to own more of it than I already own? 
Um, so Kroger passed that test. Yes, I want to own more of it. But then I look at my individual holdings. Well, I've already done that with Walmart, in my opinion. I've got grocery, I've got club, I've got online retail experience there. And then I also own Costco, another large, uh, primarily food retailer. So when I look at it from that standpoint, I don't want to oversample. Kroger's a great company. I'm just not gonna. I'm just not gonna add that to the portfolio. I've owned Walmart for twenty-something years. Very low cost base on, basis on it. It it dividends quite well to me in a dollar amount. It's up at record highs. Another. I'll run one more example. Target, another hot stock right now because it's so out of favor. That's the primary reason when I consider Target. I won't add it. I already own Walmart. I feel like I'm getting a little bit more with Walmart because they do sell gasoline. I am getting a club warehouse with that, and I've just owned it so long and have cost basis. And then going back to my S&P 500 approach, I already have Target. When Target goes hot again, I'm not going to miss out on the momentum either way. So that's a little bit how... Those are like two of the key steps that I look at. But just like you, I probably I get disappointed when I miss one. So I'm going to use something like I will use Nvidia as a perfect example of this. Why I why I some why I usually stay out of stocks that are hot. So when I look at Nvidia, you could have bought Nvidia for what about a buck 20 to a buck 50 pretty much any day of the year in 2022 and this year as i record this it's trading at about 425 dollars damn it that feels like a big miss but when i look at the s p 500 composition right now again i already own nvidia i already own nvidia nvidia right now is the number four weighted holding on the s p 500 at right at three percent so if 80% of my portfolio is indexed, you know, I own a little bit more than 2% of my portfolio is in NVIDIA. I don't want to take on the risk of owning NVIDIA directly because in my opinion, when I look at NVIDIA, a lot of what makes them extremely successful now, first mover advantage, like on AI type chips, that thesis might not hold up a year from now, two years from now. What happens if Meta is successful with fabricating their own AI chips, other competitors come in, now this margin uh, that NVIDIA currently enjoys, then it erodes. So I wouldn't be surprised if I, I don't want additional exposure to that stock. And the S&P, I think an example that really demonstrates how you can catch uh, the, I think, the momentum stocks on the way up and not get stuck on them on the way down. Here's a great example. This, this was a post my friend Rock sent out on Twitter uh, earlier this week. He broke down the top 10 holdings in the S&P 500 about 20 years ago. And then the top 10 holdings, you know, currently right now. 
And when you look at the top 10 list, 20 years is a long period of time, but I, I suspect this order changes on a shorter duration too. 10 years ago, if you guessed, or 20 years ago, if you guessed GE was the top holding, the top weighted holding in the S&P 500, you are correct. Would you want to, would you want to, to be in GE for the last 20 years? Probably not. Not up until this last year. Had a dormant, uh, had a, a dormant 20 years. So when I look at the list, year or two, 20 years over 20 years, the names change quite a bit. Interestingly enough, Microsoft 20 years ago was number two, and it's number two. So that's an example. I've always wanted to own Microsoft too. Microsoft currently has a 6.5% weighting in the S&P 500. But in a way, I have owned Microsoft over the last 20 years. At least that's how I talk myself into it and, and make, make myself feel a bit better about the situation. So if it does sound like a bit of set it and forget it, that is exactly, that's exactly right. And that's exactly what I, what I do. Another screening tool that I use in this is there are certain industries I almost never invest in directly in an individual, in an individual stock standpoint. Well, I, I look at, I already own these industries quite heavily or to the degree I want to by just owning the S&P 500. And here's five I usually don't touch. Um, financials. Healthcare, uh, very limited in technology, cyclicals, and transport. So let me break those down. Um, financials, uh, I mean, as far as Bank of America, J.P. Morgan, again, I'm at peace with what I own, my exposure to them, just from an index standpoint. They can be very economically sensitive. I don't want to oversample or expose myself to that. Sometimes their thesis can break down. I don't want to be stuck babysitting. Uh, healthcare, I used to be a bigger healthcare investor, specifically biotech, when I speculated. But that always came down to a lot of times why I was buying a company was if their blockbuster drug was going to pass clinical drive trials. So I, I, I just let the portfolio managers or the index handle that for me. Um, technology, we can make a whole episode on top technology ideas 10 years ago and kind of look at them and, and pick them apart today. My point there is things, those cycles change. I'm not a, I'm not a tech geek and I don't really want to be one. So I'm again, I'm at peace with just letting the index get me to where I need to be from a technology standpoint. Although I do own Meta, and I've owned that since my cost basis in that is $19.34, if I want to believe. To me, that just made too much sense after the IPO. Um, and and the story's held, the story's held up for me. So I'll keep my $310 meta, whatever it is today, uh, not selling that anytime soon. Cyclicals, when I think of cyclicals, I'm talking about autos, I'm talking about, oh, 
Um, I've never seen an airline's earnings report or 10Q that made me want to jump in and buy it because very feast or famine, and I don't like being part of the famine portion of, uh, of the business cycle. And then transport's almost the same story there, so I'm starting to think of things like uh, UPS, FedEx, great companies, but they tend to get uh, they tend to get punished in economic downturns a little bit more than usual. Well, that's just my approach. Um, how I got into viewing investing that way was really by really by accident. I um. In previous episodes, I talked about Coca-Cola, Walmart, and Duke Energy. Those were the three dividend-paying stocks I initially started purchasing because I liked them long-term. But simultaneously, I was still being—I was still a classic stock picker, and I just got to the point in life, and the point in life in my portfolio where. It, it, it was just too much work. It was too much squeeze for the juice it produced. And I've reached the stage in life where I don't really need to take that level of, of ongoing risk uh, on now. So another debated topic is how many stocks are too many. Most people will say about 20 get, gets you properly diversified, assuming you know, you're diversified across industries. You know, I know some people that go 50 individual stocks or more. I, I personally don't believe there's a right or wrong way. Um, just have a process and know your process. If I could speak to that point, the biggest mistakes I've seen individual investors make firsthand is just that first step, not having some sort of process. This is my process, and it has worked for me. So a question I get asked is, what are you looking at? What would be the next thing? Would you ever own more stocks? And my answer is, of course. I'm, I'm, I'm just not there yet. This year, I did add Agree Realty. It was, so before I got to Agree Realty, I've already owned Realty Income Corp for, what if this is 2023, about 10 10 years now, I have a sizable position in that. It full shares me dividends every month. I love the stock. It's beaten up right now. Just bought more today. It is not going to, it's not designed to be the home run stock in my portfolio. You know, I think when I buy an individual stock, I think each company has an individual specific role to play. Each holding has to make my whole team the portfolio better. Think of it as like fielding a team in a sport. Every holding doesn't need to play the same position. They just need to own their position and, and, and be the best. So O right now is out of favor. Uh, it'll probably, you know, just just doing simple technical analysis on it and the market sentiment right now, it's probably going to test its 52-week low, but that's okay. That's one of the few stocks individual holdings I'm currently adding to because I still think long-term on this. But I did want to add an additional holding, additional realty holding. So I did add a gray. It's very complementary. It's almost an overlap of 
of realty income, it's actually performed a little bit better over the last two to three years on a total return basis. But I did screen out a couple of other holdings. NNN, nothing wrong with it. I liked it. Just felt better with Agree. And I really, here's a great example. I really wanted to and really would still like to own Vici. But based on my overall portfolio, the only thing that made me uncomfortable with, with it is the large industry um, concentration they have in the gambling sector. And should something go wrong with gambling, heaven forbid, something, a black swan event takes place in Las Vegas, what do you think happens to, to Vici? So I didn't want to own that. I think Vici is roughly a top 50 S&P holding in its, out, in its own right. So I own Vici. That's the level of exposure that I personally want to have in it. Let's talk about one that is driving me crazy, and that is Uber. So Uber was flirting with $50 a share right before they reported earnings last week. And I have loved the way the story has progressed over the last maybe six or so quarters as they get close to gap profitability. And don't you know, they hit gap profitability for the first time ever this quarter. And here we are back at a $44 stock. And this stock IPO'd back only at $42 uh, maybe six or so years ago now. It's really gone nowhere. This Uber has gone nowhere in a hurry fast. Um, so I'm holding on to it a little bit longer. I like the emphasis on, the, on their continued quest for gap profitability. Uh, they're not taking a short-term approach just on average fares just to try just to try to juice up revenue. So maybe this story plays out in the next couple of quarters and becomes more commonly held by institutions or individual investors versus uh, a large hedge fund uh, ownership right now. But we'll see. I almost... I almost tapped sell on that last Friday and threw, out, threw in the towel. But I'll give it a little bit more time. But that's an example of one I just don't like to find myself into, having to babysit. I would have preferred if the index took care of that for me. So I was a little bit all over the place. Hopefully you followed along with some specific examples that I provided, how I ended up with these 10 holdings how I go about thinking of adding a new name to the portfolio. If this has generated some questions, critique, criticism, send it in the comments. Email me at thesavingscaptain at gmail.com. Shoot me a direct message uh, or message me in, in Twitter at savingscaptain. You know, I'd, love to hear, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on, on what you find is effective and, and works well. You know, what works well as you develop your portfolio. But that's all I had today. Just wanted to get this special message out there. And my producer, Radish, is giving me the cue that we are at time. So thank you for joining today. We hope you found this helpful. And we'll close with saying... Thanks for joining the Money Happy Hour.
every hour, happy hour for your money.